1: Information, connect with a wealth advisor today at corient.com. That's C O R I E N T dot com. Corient.com.
2: Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365 Hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen.
3: Uh, Here we go, here
2: we go!
3: It's a football Friday here on Birds 365. Unfortunately, it's not leading into a football Sunday. we gonna wait till Well, Monday football night.
5: Sunday's coming, just not Eagles
3: football and Sunday. Eagles football Sunday. Mm. Thank you for correcting me. That's exactly what I meant. And when you get to Monday night and all the other games are over and your team is playing, it's cool. I, I love being is on it? Monday night. I
5: don't like Monday night
3: games. Oh, I don't I like do. them at all. I do when you get to Monday night. But when you're yeah. sitting here on a Friday and or the Saturday and or Sunday at uh, noon and you go, oh, sh- you know what? We're not playing for 30 hours. Well, wow, that stinks.
5: Yeah. Once you get stink. to
3: Monday night, it's very cool. You know, Darius
5: wow. Slay was talking about that yesterday. Uh, and he's the same way. He watches football Sunday. Then he's like, I got to wait all day to play on Monday. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's a pain. Now for me, obviously I'm gonna be up till four in the morning. That's why I don't like Monday night yeah, games. No, but just, uh... you know, that's that's selfish. Um yeah, I don't know. I I I I like I like Sunday one o'clock games, man. I love them. I love when everything's going on, all the action, there's other games. Uh yeah, but I get it. You're the only team. Um. Except although there's not. two Monday night games yes, exactly. yeah, there's two exactly. Monday night games which is kind of weird on the second week but uh yeah I mean a home opener Monday night football a uh, little bit different you know Sunday night football back in the older days uh, Monday night football was the game now it's Sunday night football but still you know, you know typically usually stand alone this will be an overlap game as as we just said but there's you know the whole microscope is on your team and maybe that's uh maybe that's a bad thing for jonathan gannon maybe it's a good thing for jalen hurts who knows um
3: it's or been maybe, an interesting week. maybe this week it's a good thing for jonathan gannon a bad thing for jalen exactly.
5: Hurts. exactly we don't I'm, know I'm, yet we gotta yes. wait till
3: monday night to find out
5: i'm glad we're gonna have our less uh our friend lesbo and on, on the show this morning um I'm glad because less. I, I feel like less is, I've been enjoying watching less wrangle with the people this week on social media. I've had to deal with it myself, man. I, 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 you know, I should be used to this by now, but man, the overreactions every one week. I got, I got people all over the place calling for Gannon to be fired. I'm like, what are you, what are you going to do in week one? That's a decision made for the off season. What are you going to do? I mean, do you ever think of the other side of the fence? Are you going to elevate Denard Wilson? What, what, What right. is
3: the big you got, plan? You only got 16 more games to play. You can't be throwing those away. This season is not a toss-away season by any stretch of the imagination for the Eagles. But because it is a Monday night game and we have an extra day of preparation, uh, I do not feel badly uh, starting today's show with this conversation because I think it's pretty important. I believe we closed out yesterday's show with it, as a matter of fact. It's Howie Roseman's involvement on the overall way that the Philadelphia Eagles work, act, prepare put things in place to play their 17 games during the season. Uh, You were there. Nick Sirianni yesterday uh, decided it was important that he put it into the perspective that he thinks it needs to be perspective because it's defensive coordinator uh, at earlier in the week said, well, these are things we discussed with Howie Roseman and the way that he stated it. You could, if you want to take a little leap of faith, uh, make it, sound like and or believe Howie Roseman is in on the strategy meetings, the game planning meetings, which we don't believe is the case. You and I don't believe it. But Jonathan Gannon kind of left it open for that interpretation. So Nick felt that that he needed to put it in a different perspective, his perspective. You hope the truth's perspective. I got to read you this line, John, because it kind of flies in the face of what you and I have been saying. At the end of the day, I have the say on who's up on game day and what we need. That means to me, he's got control of the 53-man roster. And you and I have been working under the belief that Howie Roseman has the control of the 53-man roster. I don't know how more plainly you can state it than at the end of the day, I have the say on who's up on game day. Who's got control of the 53-man roster, John? Howie
5: how, how has control. And that's where the, the the context is needed. You'd have to run through, uh, because I was the one who asked Jonathan the question, I was the one who asked Nick the question. You have to run through the entire context. What Here's, here's how I take it, as um, there's a little truth to both sides, in the fact that from a... From a bookkeeping standpoint, Howie Roseman has control over the 53 men and the game day roster. From a decision-making standpoint, Nick Sirianni has control of the game day roster because Howie Roseman has given him that. Now, you know, if Howie wants to wake up one morning on the wrong side of the bed and say, you know what, I don't want to give you Noah Tungyai this week. He doesn't have to give Noah Tungyai. So technically... Howie Roseman has control, but what Nick was saying is, look, I say who I want, and that's who I get, Uh, so from his perspective, um, you know, he doesn't want to deal with the bookkeeping, and he tells Howie, I want this guy, I want this guy, and he gets this guy, and he gets this guy, so there's a little bit of uh, give and take, and I don't have a problem with that from the perspective, because I I told you on yesterday's show, my only issue with how Howie um, does these things is that extra layer, because it's not needed. Um, But if if Nick doesn't want to do it, if Nick doesn't want that on his plate, what I don't understand is why can't you just text him and say, hey, I need to... (laughs) Why do you have to have these meetings? But whatever, how he wants to be involved, how he likes to be involved. Um, I don't think it's a big issue. I really don't. If I did, I would tell people he's not involved with scheme. It as you know, for whatever people want to say about Howie Roseman, he knows he's not a scheme guy. He's not going to go walk in there and tell Nick Sirianni, you got to use more 12 personnel. We're not, we're not doing this. I mean, that's, that's not who he is. That's not what he does. It's never been. Um, And I thought that part of it was, was ludicrous. And you know, it's, it all started with Jordan Davis, right? I mean, 22 snaps. And as I also said yesterday, look, if anybody wanted Jordan Davis to play more, it was Howie Roseman. So, I mean, that never made any sense. Um, And it's a clear indication there were two clear indications the coaching staff is in charge of this team. One is Jordan Davis's playing time, and the other is how many times Jalen Hurts carried the football. Which I, which I also said. You know, look, all they talked about the offseason: we got to get better, we got to get a more explosive passing offense, we got to do this, we got to do that. Um, you know, and let's see, I got the numbers here after week one. They have the third-ranked offense, the third-ranked rushing uh, attack, and the 14th-ranked passing attack. He does what he wants to win games, and that's how it should be. That's how it is. And I'm not saying, look, this happens all the time in the NFL, Jody. We have these schisms between coaches and general managers. Something might happen down the road, but nothing has happened yet. Everybody's got a shelf life. Talked about Minnesota yesterday with it. I mean, Mike Zimmer is a perfect example of that. Look, the guy was a good coach. And then people stopped listening to him, period. Uh, We saw it here with Doug Peterson, the Super Bowl a little bit. I think Doug, um, well on record, should have gotten another opportunity. But it was pretty clear. People were getting tired of the messaging. And Andy Reid's even a better example in Philadelphia because he's so successful such a great coach going to be a hall of fame coach by the end. You know, I wasn't here. You were here. And, and, you know, from my perspective as an outsider, I would have said I, I would have fought through it, but everybody I talked to said, no, it was time. It was time. No, it, was it was time. time. Uh, it,
3: um, as good as Andy was, it was time to go in a different direction. Yeah.
5: Now you're, you know, you're not getting a better coach than Andy Reed. That's nothing against anybody else. Yeah, I'm, what are the odds of you getting a better coach than Andy Reid?
3: Uh, almost zero, but here's the bottom line. They won a Super Bowl without Andy Reid, even though they yeah. had been as good as they were. So the change turned out to be okay. Yeah. Even though you could look at him and go, wait a minute. How can you fire a guy knowing full well you're probably not getting a better coach? Yeah. Well, because maybe the not better coach can actually win the Super Bowl. Yeah, and we've seen, did. You know, t-
5: Jungy, Gruden, uh, we've seen it. You uh, know, Tony Junji, John Gruden. We've seen it in the past in other cities as well. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, maybe the best example of all. Barry's one of the worst NFL coaches I've ever seen, to be honest. Uh, won a Super Bowl because they had so much talent. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the ultimate. But if you're looking for consistency, you know, you know you're not getting a better coach than Andy Reid. Jeffrey Lurie knows that. He keeps calling him up and saying, hey, who should I hire this time, Andy? Um, so it is what it is, and the Eagles got Super Bowl 52, but their their consistency hasn't been as good. And, you know, that's up to individual fans what the trade-off is. I imagine they would take the Super Bowl, most of them.
3: Here's the last thing for me on the control of the 53-man roster. And I'm going to uh, use a word that they use often here in Philadelphia. Sometimes when they do, people roll their eyes. But I surely believe that they attempt to do it, but it doesn't always uh, work out as easy as it does. Collaborative effort. I believe the 53-man roster, much like draft day, is a collaborative effort. But at the end of the day, at the the most important minute with the draft, it's when you're on the clock, somebody's got to have the last say. The bottom line guy has to be the bottom line guy. And I think it's funny that Nick yesterday said bottom line. I don't believe he's got the bottom line. I believe how he's got the bottom line. Now, yeah. I always believe it's a collaborative effort. But as you pointed out, there's only one guy who's allowed to call in the roster to the league office, and that's Howie Roseman. So uh, Nick could hand him the list of here's the 53 I want. If Howie doesn't want to call that 53 man in, Howie calls whoever the hell he wants in because it's his job. So I believe it's a collaborative effort. We've had 20 games. The Nick Sirianni, uh, Sirianni era is, oh, excuse me, 19, 17 last year, plus a playoff. First plus the first one this year. So it's been a 19-game effort between the two. I would not be surprised if all 19 times Nick Sirianni has said, Howie, these are the 53 I want for Sunday, that Howie submitted those exact 53. So, yes, Nick Sirianni has gotten what he's wanted. Yeah. But if Howie Mm -mm. wanted to, the bottom line is Howie's the last line of defense. He calls it in, and if he wants to swap out Two tight ends. He swaps out two tight ends. It goes back to the coach and says, listen, you got mostly your 53, but here's the one that you didn't get. I don't know that that's happened. Maybe that will be a point of contention down the road, much like Nick uh, Doug Peterson wanting to retain some of his coaches and the powers that be, not wanting to do so. And that ended up being the reason that the two parties split. Maybe this will be the rub. A year from now, two years from now. Yeah, so- no, that's what I
5: that's what I wrote about, and the Eagles got upset about it. I because I I wrote a column and I said, look, there's potential for issues, but there has been no issues to this point. I don't get caught up in the semantic stuff, like because Howie hands in the card, um, you know, versus Nick, who believes, you know, who 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 has gotten everything he wanted. And doesn't want to hand in the card. He doesn't want the the, the menial task um, because he's so focused on getting ready for a football game. So from his perspective, he gets what he wants. So he thinks he has control. And the reality is, from a as I said, from a bookkeeping standpoint, how he has control. So you you can spin it any way you want from there, but there is potential for issue. But there's potential for issue everywhere, Jody. We've seen coaches, everybody has a shelf life. That's what I just talked about. Ultimately, there will be an issue. What that issue is, I can't tell you. I I can tell you there will be an issue because there's always an issue. Whether it's Andy Reid at the end, whether it's Chip Kelly, whether it's Doug Peterson who won a Super Bowl, there's always an issue, right? Right. There's always an issue. So you you try to say, okay, where are the potential paths for issues? This could be a potential path for yes. an issue down the road. I agree with that part of it. Um, but I don't think it's an issue right now. I really don't.
3: Right. Nor do I. Uh, it just was the way that Jonathan Gannon kind of opened up that Pandora's box that they felt they needed to show a little bit more, uh, shine a little bit more of a light on it. And the light told you where they sit. I think it's pretty easy. Nick Sirianni picks his 53. He submits it to Howie Roseman. Howie makes the final decision on who the 53 are. I would believe that... Well,
5: 53-48 game day.
3: Uh, The 48, excuse me. Um, Howie uh, probably has given Nick Sirianni what he wanted 19 out of 19 times so far. But at some point... They they might disagree, and it'll be interesting to see when they do if uh, that is the beginning of a fissure. All right, uh, Eagles and Vikings coming up this week. Joining us next. We've got a guy who, according to Johnny Mack, I did not know this, uh, but John said, we got to get Les on because the people are jumping in Les's, is, uh, you know what, uh, because... I love the wrangling, Les. I love the wrangling. All right. Uh, I, I, I'm going to find out what the wrangling is with Les Bowen from NJ.com. He joins us next here on Birds 365.
7: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17.
4: I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in, decisions, the dark. The dark.
8: We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly.
9: Go confidently.
8: Go first!
9: Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go bird.
3: Mega Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here on Birds 365 and we are joined by Les Bowen who is looks like gone outside. That's why he's got a jacket on. It's a
5: nice morning.
3: Yeah, it's chilly. A little, chilly. little, little uh, nip in the air. How are you this morning, Mr.
10: Bowen? Yeah, I'm great guys. Yeah, I went out here to the back porch. Uh, actually, I had a, a really light short sleeve shirt on and I uh, it was too cold, so I yeah. ran in and grabbed a jacket. It's amazing. It's a nice and, thing after this weather we've had
5: lately. Yeah. Well, it'll be. You won't need that jacket later. I think it's going to be 90 on Monday, Les, so yeah. we're, not, we're not past it. Yeah. Uh, but it was nice to wake up to a little chill. Uh, I enjoyed it. Uh, you've been getting a chill on Twitter that I've been enjoying uh, over the past couple of days. Les, I don't know how you do it, man, because I've gotten a lot of. Uh, stuff. This is mute season for me. I just, I can't take it. I just, I just hit the mute button, but you, you give it back. Uh, uh, what, uh, uh, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. You've been doing this for a long time. I, I, I'm still, and I blame myself for this. I am amazed at the overreaction after week one. It is unbelievable to me. We got Jonathan Gannon fired. Mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts is this. Jalen Hurts, you have these two camps with Jalen Hurts. You know, spectacular won that game in my estimation for the Eagles. Uh and, and that's been one of the discussions. Can Jalen Hurts win a game? Well, he just won a game. Yeah. But he didn't do it the right way, right? Because he ran well, the football too many times. Um, so where where are we with this team in the overreaction? You know, oh, your yeah, your thoughts well, on that.
10: I think that's often the case with week one. I don't think people expected the game to go the way it did. Yeah. I think I kind of thought it would be a close game. I didn't think it would be 38 to 35, but you know, I didn't think they were the lions, you know, aren't the three 13 and one team they were last year. I think most of us realized that, but I, I don't, am not sure many fans did, but anyway, what happened with me is really silly and, you know it's instructive of the dangers of getting into extended debates on twitter <laughs> which i should never do i should yeah. my wife says i spend too much time on that and it really is a waste of of time and energy but i wrote a column for nj.com about jalen hurts and i did my i was working out of i asked nick siriani about hurts getting hit on those slides yeah which people were up in arms about and Nick explained, you know, this bothers me a lot, too. But in fact, the rule is that if the defender is kind of, you know, committed to hit tackling him or, you know, moving forward when the side starts, he's allowed to hit him. And, uh, you know, I sort of used that as a jumping off point to say 17 runs is nuts. Yes, they won the game. Yes, he, he played very well. But we're kind of looking for a different sort of offense this year. And we didn't really see it in game one. It's not, you know, I wasn't, it, there's no subtlety on Twitter or on the no, internet. No,
5: there is not. I,
10: I wasn't like standing atop the battlement, waving the flag of this is all sucks and you know, what the hell's going on. It was like, Hey, this is, you know, they want to have an offense where Devontae Smith catches a pass. (laughs) Uh, You know, I mean, I don't think that's a controversial position. But I kind of got in a back and forth. Jeff Mosher, who's a very good reporter and a good friend, wrote kind of a counter thing saying, yeah, they're going to keep running the ball with Jalen Hurts because they have to play to his strengths. And I was like, you don't – here's my thing. A.J. Brown, Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith – these are guys that I know the Eagles want to build around for the next several years, right? Yeah. Jalen hurts. Maybe they want to build around him for the next several years and maybe they don't. They have those two first round draft picks next year for a reason. I wouldn't build anything around. If I have those guys, my offense is going to be tailored to their strengths, (laughs) you know, so it kind he made some very good points and we actually texted with each other and our positions weren't as far off as they might have appeared initially. But I, I said something on Twitter along the lines of, you know, if if your quarterback can't play to the strengths of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, then maybe he's not your quarterback. <laughs> You know, and people just got, oh, my Lord, you'd have thought I'd insulted Jalen Hurts' mother and and said that he had never <laughs> won another game and, and he was the worst quarterback <laughs> in the league and I'm a racist and, you know, it oh, was, oh it was my, unbelievable. Wow. Oh. And I, I probably overstated, but I got a little too wound up in my argument. Uh, my, own, my initial fairly modest point is, The week one offense is not going to, you know, get them to the Super Bowl. Uh, They are not going to score 31 points plus a pick six from the defense against good defenses with Jalen Hurts running for his life and them not picking up any blitzes and Devontae Smith not catching any passes.
3: Yeah, see, you finally touched on it, Les. And I think it is the point that has gone under-talked about, under-reported, under-evaluated. The Lions blitzed a lot. Yeah, they did. John, if you if you know how to look it up, I'd suggest that they might have blitzed more than anyone else in the National Football League in week number one. And the Eagles weren't great at picking it up. He was under pressure way too often. I thought the offensive line, mano a mano, the five guys up front were fine. But in blitz pickup and being mm-hmm. able to recognize when it's coming and where it's coming from, not great. So that lent itself to Jalen Hurts taking off as often as he did. What would you rather have him do? Just fall to his knees and take a sack? That doesn't do any good. Why not take off and try and make a play with your legs? So Jalen had to do that right. on several occasions during the game. So no, that, I'm not oh suggesting my God, the, that he didn't Like have the Eagles to. planned every single run yeah. he did. No, they didn't. The, the, the yeah. Lions had a hand in that with as much as they blitzed.
10: Yeah, but the, they had they have to pick up those blitzes. He has to recognize them coming, which I'm not sure he did a great job of. Yeah, I was going to say that.
5: I was going to say that, Les. Part of that, when, when yeah. you have an unaccounted for rusher, that's on the quarterback to get the football out uh, a lot of times. So there's a give and take of. Um, or call an audible
10: or something. Yeah, you know, but. Yeah. Uh, Sometimes what looked like a blitz wasn't really a blitz. Sometimes they were just running games and stunts up front, and the Eagles weren't picking those up either. You yeah. know, I mean this 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 is kind of. I don't dislike Nick Sirianni's plan of not playing the starters much in the preseason and having kind of a uh, an easygoing training camp because injuries are the bottom line. You know, in the NFL, you can ask people in Dallas how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's a trade-off and they like to pretend there isn't, you know, they'll still uh, all this week, they've been asked about, you know, were you guys, you know, a little not ready because of the preseason. And so, Oh no, no, no. We had a lot of practice time, blah, 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 blah. That's a bunch of crap. You know, they, it is a long range strategy. It's a strategy for the 17 game yeah. season, not a strategy for the opener. And yeah. they ought to just admit that. You know, yeah, I don't know why it's so difficult. They you know, got through it, but they were not as prepared as the Lions physically and you know, timing wise.
5: By the way, Les, um, yeah, I'm with you. I don't know why they just don't admit it. 14 missed tackles tells you all you need to know. But it was interesting because Dan Campbell, the day after, was complaining about his, his team's tackling. So it is, it is now the Eagles were the worst. Nobody had more missed tackles, but it is a problem throughout the league. And that's part of the CBA and the collective bargaining. Nobody can practice as as much as they want to, but the Eagles practice less than they are allowed to. To me, that's the difference. And it's certainly a long-term strategy. I, I agree with you there, but to button up this Jalen Hurts thing, were you, um, I don't want to say surprised, but Shane Steichen went on record. Jonathan Ganning got all the press this week, but Shane Steichen said, "You know, it's basically one progression, two progression, go. That's all it is." So when you start, and I, I think when fans start thinking about, well, if if BJ's not open, if Dallas is not open, you got to go to Jalen Hurts. That's not what this offense is so
10: that's a good point and that kind of went right over my head to tell you the truth john i wasn't really focusing on that like everybody else i've written two pieces about jonathan gannon this week
5: yeah but uh you know it and we'll get to that by the way yeah
10: you know that's that's i hope that's something that evolves as the season goes on frankly because i don't think if you get to the playoffs against good defenses i'm not sure that's a that's the I don't strategy think, you I, want to go I,
5: Honestly, Les, I don't think it's evolving, but here's the difference, yeah. and I think this is the coaches more than Jalen Hurts, and that's what Shane said as well. They're the ones who have to be disciplined. So instead yes. of it being A.J. Brown, first progression, Dallas got her second possession, uh, progression every single time, they got to mix it up and say, no, I got to be disciplined. This is Devonte. Devontae on this play even Quez Watkins, and that kind yes. of, you know, will will free you up from defenses keying on, keying on one or two guys. So I think that's about Nick Sirianni and Shane Steichen, not Jalen Hurts, and that's what Shane said. I don't want him thinking about that. In fact, Shane Steichen said, that's on me. That's on me. He's designed to get the football to A.J. Brown. And by the way, if they're not covering A.J. Brown, I'm fine with it. Keep throwing sure.
10: it to him. Yeah. But again, if it- – Fifteen targets a game. <clears throat> a somebody's gonna figure out how to yeah. blanket, sandwich, do something with AJ Brown. B, somebody's gonna hurt AJ Brown, even though he's built like uh I know team. it's amazing. Yeah. To I'm not to think not about sure that. about that yeah. one last
5: yeah. Well, everybody gets hurt. He's right, yeah. but yeah, it's hard to imagine AJ again. But he got hurt last year in yes. Tennessee. Yeah. So it happens. Yeah.
3: All right, let's uh, let's flip it over to the off uh, the defensive side of the ball. That was a mess. John mentioned the missed tackles, and uh, they were the leading missed tackling team in the National Football League. And Jonathan Gannon, you call him on the carpet all you want. If they tackle the way they tackle, Jonathan Gannon's system's not going to work. But his system wasn't great last week, and yeah, he got a lot of attention for it, and he should. What kind of adjustments do you think he makes this week against Minnesota?
10: Well, you know, it's interesting, guys. I have a piece this morning where I point out that, uh, and it's still true, the last time I looked a little while ago, somebody got into Jonathan's Wikipedia. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. Uh, somebody is Wikipedia. Some unkind things about his coaching. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's uh, – they have to do a lot different this week and I'm a little bit pessimistic about getting all this fixed. You know, you go down there and they say, Oh yeah, we can, you know, just a few adjustments other than some decent pass coverage. They didn't do anything well in Detroit. They didn't rush the passer. They didn't get pressure. Uh, they didn't stop the run. They didn't come close to stopping the run. Uh, and Fletcher Cox is talking yesterday about, well, it was really just three plays. Well, that's the way, runs work a lot of times that was often the case when LaShawn McCoy played for the Eagles you know it wasn't like he went out there and gained 20 yards a carry it was he would run for 40 yards and then maybe they'd stop him for a loss or something it you can't just say with that you know that's nuts to say oh except for three play you know I I don't know I (laughs) I was expecting I mean I know they've got five new starters And they didn't play together in the preseason. But I just didn't see – he was in four-man fronts a lot against the run.
5: Yeah, that was strange. Five-man fronts.
10: Uh, They admitted that when they got the 17-point lead, they thought Detroit was just going to pass all the time, and Detroit didn't feel the need to do that and didn't need to do that. You know, I don't know what we're going to see against Minnesota and Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson uh, and Kirk Cousins, who has a very – you know, Kirk Cousins is not an elite quarterback, but he's an elite thrower. He's yeah. had a great. Yeah. If he only played against the Eagles, he'd be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, he has done very, very well against the Eagles uh, with Washington and with Minnesota, and uh, it's going to be. You know, I think the fans are kind of expecting everything to be fixed, and and the emotion is just going to run the Vikings out of the stadium Monday night, but. I, they've got a long way to go in practice this week to get to where they can really compete with a team that came out week 1 and played real well.
5: All right, I'm going to I'm going to throw some rare optimism at you Les. Um, if if I said to you 14 missed tackles turns into four missed tackles, yeah. the, the Eagles probably win that game by 17-20 points that's a pretty easy fix. You know, we just talked about the preparation. You would think as the season wears on guys, get more used to it. You know, the first two games is the new preseason. As long as they tackle a little bit better, everything should be fine.
3: But is that can, too can, optimistic? I, can I ask a question? Um, we all agree. The Eagles defensive line did not play well on, Saturday, no. right? No. Just as a whole, we can make that statement defensive line did not play well on Sunday and you say with more preparation and better tackling they can be that much better how much work did Fletcher Sweat and BG get in yesterday at practice
5: no and by the way that's going to continue that's the plan for those particular players all year to keep them as healthy as possible. So the so.
3: continuation of preseason, less is more, is going to continue into the regular season. Despite the fact that three key pieces on a unit that all three of us agree played like spit on Sunday. Yeah, go ahead and take the day off, boys. Hey, a little rest for you Load guys. management Load is management here coming your is, way. Is, is really? Here. Is another, that what another... you're telling me, Johnny Mac? Is that what you're basing your optimism on? The three guys no, on the I, offensive I, I, line had sucked on Sunday? Look. take the day off in the middle of the week?
5: Um, when it comes to Flesher and Javon, they didn't play well. And they got to play better. Um but the missed tackles, you know, a lot of it was C.J. Gardner-Johnson. A lot of it was Avante Maddox. A lot of it was Kaiser White, um, yeah. back end defenders. Brad, now, she, Bradbury
3: missed the one big one too. Uh, Bradbury was, was oh, uh just said was burying Bradbury. Bradbury didn't play all that bad. He missed that no, one tackle. Play. That was real. That was a really bad play. But
10: he didn't play badly. cup no. no. in no. coverage. What what with the missed tackles? Yeah. Okay, to me, there's different kinds of missed tackles. If you're in position and you have your arms around the guy and you somehow he gets out of your grasp, that's certainly a fixable missed tackle. If a missed tackle is you being a step or a step and a half off from where you should be and you're reaching for the guy and he blows through your arm, that's a missed tackle. But you weren't there, you know, I mean. I see guys miss tackles like that and it's because they can't get to where they need to be to make the tackle. And I, I don't know. I, I hope that's not the case this week, but it was kind of the case a little bit in the opener. I thought a lot of uh, kind of reach and Hey, come back, you know, over here. I'm over here. You know, yeah. uh Kind of tackling.
5: Well, I was joked less that nobody cares about the running game until they care about the running game. So they don't even talk about it in the offseason. Nobody talks about it. And then Detroit shows up week one. It usually doesn't happen to December, to be honest. But they show up week one and say, we're going to run it down your throat. We have a good offensive line. We have a good running back. Mm -hmm. And they run it down their throat. Hassan Reddick, undersized. Kaiser White, undersized. C.J. Gardner-Johnson undersized, moving from nickel to safety. Is that a potential issue?
10: Oh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, even Fletcher Cox, at this point in his career, Fletcher's kind of a pass rush specialist. He's he's not – he was horrible against the run Sunday. And it was mostly because he was looking to get upfield uh, and rush the passer. You know, he's – it's – they're not set up to stop the run unless Jordan Davis is in there, and we—that was a big issue this week. The number of snaps he yeah. got, could he have played more? Uh, Gannon came up with that. Well, I have five defensive tackles, and I have to get them all snaps, like it's no, no you don't. Like it's little league, and the parents are going <laughs> to yell at him or something if everybody doesn't get the same number. No, 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 no. You know, if Fletcher Cox is posting a thirty-nine point six score against the run according to pro football focus and stopping the run is what you have to do to win the game maybe you have Fletcher go stand next to you for a while and play Jordan Davis you know and uh that's a that's something we're going to keep an eye on here because Howie Roseman's playing Fletch paying Fletch 14 million dollars this year and he's paying Javon Hargrave 12 and a half million dollars this year and do they get the bulk of the snaps just for that or because they're playing better than Williams and Davis, (laughs) you know, I I don't know. And Marlon, who played a lot, uh, a little surprisingly in game
3: number one. All right, question for both you guys. John just said Kirk Cousins is a a franchise thrower of the football. Might not be a franchise quarterback, but a franchise thrower, elite thrower. So, does that mean Jordan Davis is going to get his 20 snaps again? Because the overall game plan going in is we expect Kirk Cousins to throw a lot. Dalvin Cook did carry it 20 times last week. Pretty damn good running back as well. What do you think the Eagles are thinking the Vikings are going to do before the game ever starts?
10: Boy, I don't know. But one thing struck fear in my heart yesterday, John, at those press conferences Was it Darius Slay or it was someone else who talked about, we just have to – they're a big play team and we have to make sure we don't give up any big plays. Uh, Yeah,
5: well, that's all – I mean, they're – Because
10: that was the thing from last year. That was last year's defensive scheme was don't give up big plays. And the Eagles were very good at that. I think they were like fifth in the league. The problem, as every fan noticed and – Uh, got really annoyed with Jonathan Gannon was they played the corners you know 15 yards off the line of scrimmage and gave up a first down whenever anybody wanted one all the way down the field over and over and over and over again to avoid giving up big plays and I sure hope that's not their idea in dealing with Justin Jefferson and, and Dalvin Cook this week is we'll just move back and and keep them in front of us
5: yeah that's my concern as well because if you go back to last season the Derek Carrs and the tom brady's and the really accurate quarterbacks and really patient quarterbacks they'll say hey if you're going to give me this i'm going to take this if it takes me 15 15 place it takes me 15 place they're going to continue to complete those passes
8: no.
5: um, i'm a little bit concerned with that as well but i want to talk less about jonathan gannon as a whole boy man that guy is is taking it uh i got a bunch of fire him after week ones. You mentioned the wikipedia stuff what exactly the fans expect to do i mean if you want to fire the guy you got to fire him in the offseason you're not gonna fire him after week one and
10: no that's kind of nuts you know nobody's gonna fire him right now but there was a lot that fans didn't like last season about his approach. Yeah. And I think week one sort of brought back the bad taste of everything fans didn't like about last season and his defense. And after making all these improvements, they were expecting the improvements to just sort of, you know, automatically show up. And, you know, again, we're talking about guys that didn't work together in the preseason (coughs) You and I talked several weeks ago, I think, about with Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and these other guys, you know, in the secondary, there's a lot of knowing what the other guy is going to do in a certain situation. And, you know, it's it's not just – you don't have to go out there and just play. Yeah. And, you know, there's – that defense needs a lot of cohesiveness that it doesn't have right now. Is that a problem that – will just work itself out or is it bad design you know and that could be a real problem if it's bad design the vikings uh,
3: beat a major in division opponent green bay handily in week one number one uh so they got to come in here with a pretty good level of confidence even with a first-year coach and i thought he did mm-hmm. a nice job with play calling and everything else last week Uh, How much does emotion play in this game? Week two, on the road for the Vikings, hope for the Eagles. And John believed that that had a big influence on week one in the NFL. Will it show itself again in week number two? How much
10: is emotion tied to this game on Sunday night? That's an interesting question. You know, the Vikings are coming off a huge victory over their most hated rivals. You know, that was a real big deal for them. Now, maybe they're a mature enough team that, you know, week two in Philly is gonna be just as big a deal. Maybe it isn't. Maybe they'll be sloppier. Uh as good as they looked, there was like a rookie receiver for the Packers was open by like 10 yards. Yeah, Christian Watson and dropped a bomb that would have been a touchdown early. You know, I mean it's not like the Vikings suddenly are the best team in the league or anything like that. They are a good team, I think, a decent team. Um it, emotion will be very interesting. You don't want the Eagles to be overhyped and be, you know, false starting and taking silly personal fouls and things like that. I think there will be a lot of emotion at the link because the home fans are very cranked up about this season and it is Monday night football and the home opener. And, you know, it'll be uh, emotion will be, will play a, a role it can go kind of go either way, you know, whether it's a good thing to have or whether you get to, uh, at least Derek Barnett won't be, uh,
5: <laughs> well, poor Derek taking 15 poor yards, ACL, but, but uh,
10: yeah, it's it's uh, it's a factor in this game, there's no doubt about it.
5: Uh, at Les Bowen NJ.com, read them there these days, tremendous piece, uh, finding the quick Wikipedia. Uh, edits on Jonathan Gannon interesting piece from Les this morning Um, I'll leave you with this Les Uh, Jody wants to talk about emotion I want to talk about motion Uh, the Eagles don't do it by and large Vikings do Uh, Kevin O'Connell has brought the Rams uh, sort of philosophy the illusion of complexity he has brought that I saw Justin Jefferson lining up in the backfield. It's like a where's Waldo thing? You got to find him before you can cover him. They've had some success against the Rams. They've also looked really, really bad. I remember talking to Jim Schwartz about all the movement. He was like, alignment, assignment, you know, that coaching. Uh, mm-hmm. But when you lose sort of your head, and your eyes, you can look really silly against all that motion. Do you think that will affect the Eagles, especially
10: early in the season? Boy, that's a good question, John. You know, when we went to Cleveland for those joint practices, one of the things Eagles defensive players said was, it'll be interesting because they use motion and we'll have to work against that, and we don't get to work against that in our practices. Yeah. And that kind of stuck with me. Uh, This is not something the Eagles defense is really looking at on a day-to-day basis, you know. it, it So yeah that could be an interesting thing surely they're gonna be like all over that but who knows (laughs) one would hope they're going to be all over that well Well, i i think john uh
3: made his point and shane steichen and uh nick sirianni got worried that the eagles don't use enough motion because (laughs) i recall at least three times in game one jalen hurts waving a guy with under yeah. three seconds on the play clock, I'm going, wait, how are you not set? Yeah. Do you see the clock? There's three seconds. Snap the ball. So I think yeah. they were listening to John that they don't do enough motion. So we all listen to John. More motion week <laughs> one than they did maybe in any of the 17-game last year. Uh, that's just my observation. I don't know if it's accurate or not. All right, let's go. Last thing. I'm going to need a prediction out of you. Not on who's going to win the game. Not on the final score. On an over-under. Nah. Number of catches by Jalen Rager. I no. no oh. Number of targets for Jalen Rager. Doesn't have to be a catch, just a target. How number about more, more
5: catches, Devontae Smith or Jalen Rager? God, that, that,
3: that, that's too easy. Um, <laughs> I'm going to set it at one and a half. Will Jalen Rager have the ball thrown to him two times or less in the game Sunday against Eagles?
10: Well, that's a pretty low you know target you're setting there yes
3: one and a half is the
10: target number but that's would up, say that's there's, there's up there's from the zero
3: that it was week one yeah. he didn't even get a friggin' right. snap no he did not I, line I up say, in the receiver on any plays
5: i was gonna say be careful Les, because they didn't even give him an offensive snap they have three really well, good receivers yeah. that's
10: the thing he's their returner you know that's yeah. why he's there um he hasn't been in their offense that long. Yeah. Right. You know, so
3: that's why um, I'm setting the over-under at one and a half targets. Are you going over or against, under?
10: Playing against his old team, I kind of think they're going to try to, you know, do something with him. I'm going to go over. I, he might get right. a couple targets. Yeah. I think they might, you know, it's a big deal to him. Uh, you know, that teams like to do stuff like that. When, when they have a guy, they, they want to show that yeah. they, you know, they, they know how use to do it. this, and yeah. the other team didn't. And, yeah. you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they threw it to him a couple times. But they, I they don't will. know what their plan really is. Uh, well, it would be than... just the Eagles left for him to have a great return against them. Although I think – although Michael Clay's special teams units don't get great returns, they, off, they usually cover pretty well, you know, but – Yeah, they were
5: uh, pretty good. Got him yeah. Zach McPherson, special teams player of the week. Uh, yes. Yes. I was surprised cuz I thought Dave Bip would have the advantage um but the, the Eagles held up pretty well on special teams not returning as you mentioned
10: they no, can't they seem to have, return
5: a kick yeah. less
10: and I think it's they they don't block well on returns I don't think yeah. it's the return people I think it's 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 mostly they just don't seem to get guys blocked but yeah whatever yeah.
3: Les, do me one last
10: favor. If anybody screws with my Wikipedia page,
3: will you just shoot me a <laughs> text and yeah, <laughs> let, let, let me know so I can get that straightened out? Les, great stuff. Thank you very much for coming on with us today. We'll get you back up in a couple of weeks. Uh, thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Les. That is Les Bowen. Every single day, uh, writing. He and Chris Franklin uh, get good coverage from nj.com. For you jerseyite eagle fans you got two jerseyites here mcdonald and mcmullen on birds 3685 we'll come back touch on a couple of more uh, eagle things before we're going to have an hour number two, another viking perspective we gave you one yesterday we're going to give you another one today uh will we're not sure how to pronounce raggets, i'm
5: going I'm you're going, going raggets. with raggets? i'm going ragets.
3: i'm gonna go and maybe this is the italian in me which is zero regats Regats. Regats.
5: I'm the, I'm going to say no way it's Regats. You I'm don't think so? A, I got a better chance than you, but I'm the guy. It took me. By the way, it took me three years to uh, uh, figure out the uh, pronunciation of Noah Tungiai. You know why I feel good about that, Jody? Uh, the head coach still can't pronounce it. So you know, He's still Nick was it. talking about he he was still going to guy. It is Tungi. Tungi
3: and the former eagle offensive lineman who now plays but is on the injured list for the oh, Detroit Lions. That's
5: what that's my wheelhouse. Bati Baitai.
3: Right. Or you do the smart thing like Jody McDonald and just big go B? big V. Yeah. Can't go wrong calling him big V. Um and I still I lo- I love bringing up Bati Baitai. You too. got that one down uh, much like I can see the say the uh, do, can you tell me who the quarterback of the Clemson Tigers is today?
5: I cannot. I know who it is, do, DJ. DJ. And then I'm going to leave it to you. Angalale. There we go.
3: See, See that one? Go I've here. got the same way. You got Big V down. I got DJ's name down. DJ Angalale, who has yeah. played well and brought himself back into the conversation for first round draft pick status. Boy, now you got
5: me, you, you got me. I'm hoping that the Eagles never bring in. DJ, because I'm I'm gonna have a difficult time with that
3: one. Uh, that one, that if you say it enough, you just get used to it. Like I could never get Big V's name down, so I would just go with Big V and I still screw up the guy on the Eagles' defensive line who got more snaps than Jordan Davis. Marlon Tui
5: Peloto, I got Marlon down, too.
3: Yeah, I still need work. I watch that one every once in a while. i eat right, John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. We'll come back. Uh, we've got a reporter from Sports Illustrated who covers the Minnesota Vikings, whose first name is Will, <laughs> and we'll find out how to pronounce his last name with us. Coming up next hour here on... Uh,
5: 365.
0: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
6: Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one, and we will be heard. Pondly Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
7: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17.
8: Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first.
9: Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go, Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Up and go, Bird.
3: Welcome guys, here on Birds 365, which, by the way, a little uh, humble brag here, even though we had nothing to do with it, <laughs> our logo is better than any of the other logos here on Jacob YouTube channel, agree or disagree?
5: Oh, of course it is. It is. And,
3: and, and, and uh, McMullen and McDonald had absolutely nothing to do with it. We were not consulted. No. Nothing are, to do with. We it. are not designers. Uh, someone else did it, uh, other than us, but we will take credit for it because it's Birds Three Sixty Five, and that's and, 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 world and world we're
5: number now. one. We're the foundation, Jody. We're the. We're, I believe
3: we were the number.
5: We were the first show
3: on. Jacob. Mm, yeah, they changed the name of one show that came on before us uh and that's got true. a new name that's and a true. new lineup that's true big b all barrett's right. been here longer than you gotta get uh, that's true
5: all right i, mean, I tried to humble brag but it didn't yeah, work it, it, it didn't work
3: it, no it, it is because technically we have been birds 365 which by the way uh i just realized that t- this morning thank you for going there and brought it up um today is show number 363
5: wow yeah I haven't asked you in a while because you're the official uh uh record keeper yeah the, the record
3: keeper keeper so uh Monday will be 364 and the Eagles will be playing the Vikings Tuesday will be show number 365 for <laughs> birds 365. 365. Yeah. So the friggin' Eagles better win on Monday. If they rain on our parade on Tuesday, when it's show number three sixty five on Birds three sixty five, you're gonna have one unhappy host here, buddy.
5: I, you know, we'll probably have more listeners if they lose than if they win. So well, that's what I to get.
3: I... Well, no. Yeah.
1: Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel any time. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.
3: Come from me, a guy who's only been doing this for 30-some-odd years. In Philadelphia for 30-plus. Um, if you're looking for responses, if you're looking for reaction, loss is always better than winning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, having done talk shows here in town for as long as I have. After an Eagle loss, your phones are always busier. You get more calls. You get more emotional calls. You get calls that spur on other calls. After a win, you don't get as much back and forth. You don't get as much response. Now, actual numbers of listeners and/or viewers, a wins will generate more. Really? You, you, oh right. yeah. You get you get better ratings when the team is better. You get. Oh yeah. Well, reactors. yeah.
5: I mean, if if you're, you know, that's a. You know if you're the Detroit Lions last year, like you're and you start oh no, and nobody's 10. paying attention. Nobody's they, paying they, attention. They all
3: just get out. They but they if, whine and moan and bitch yeah, for a yeah, period yeah, yeah, and yeah. then say, oh screw I'm this out. and just yeah, go I'm do out. something else.
5: So you can't have that. But you know, if you're good but not real good. Well, last week is a perfect example. The Eagles won the game. It's tough to uh tough to realize that at times because so many people have so many issues with how they won the game, but they did win, I think. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, uh, even though people have tried, been trying to convince me otherwise this entire week. Um, so yeah, it's kind of that's the best case scenario for a coach. I said, you know, you win the game, but you got a bunch of stuff to complain about uh, in a game you won. That's good for a coach.
3: That but is good for a coach. Here's the problem. <clears throat> um, you would think that you're right. You win the game. That's the most important thing. But some things go wrong, aka teaching moments, <laughs> practicing moments. Oh, that's right. The Eagles don't practice, or not everybody practices. They have load management and take some yeah. downtime.
5: Yeah, we got to. You know, can I run some Jalen Hurts
3: numbers by you, Jody? Yes. Which, by the we way, were... before you go to that, um, I don't know if you even attempted looking up. It looked like you were trying to do that. Do you know where to look up? Most blitzes, team individual, individual team blitzes week by week in the National Football League? Because I'm, um, I'm just yeah, suggesting can, can, off I the can, top of my head uh, the Lions blitz more than anybody else week one in the NFL. I
5: can find it. I'm trying to right, think. So give me the Jalen, Jalen numbers,
3: but remember to go back to that because I not right. want to address
5: um, it. Uh, all right. Jalen Hurts, uh 333 offensive yards against Detroit uh, on third and fourth downs. He made 10 conversions for 150 yards and a touchdown. First eagle with 200-plus passing yards, 70-plus rushing yards since Michael Bick in 2013. That's one. Number two, you probably already heard this one. Hurts is the only quarterback in NFL history to post 4,000-plus passing yards and 1,000-plus rushing yards in their first 20 career starts. And then the last one, since becoming the Eagles' full-time starter, Hertz ranks first amongst NFL quarterbacks in rushing yards, rushing TDs. A little surprise, but not, you know, because Lamar got hurt. But here's the bigger one. He's also tied with Tom Brady for the second most explosive plays, 116 in the NFL over that span, behind Justin Herbert, who entered last night's game with 117? Um, I, you know, I it, he does it in a weird way, but I got to build around the kid. I got to build around him, and that's not sitting in the pocket. I realize everybody wants him, and that's not full field progressions. It might blow up, Jody. I'm real, You know, he might get hurt. It might Here's, be too much. But I got to go. What What's better? All right. I'll phrase it to you this way. What's better? Taking advantage of what he does well when he's healthy or trying to
3: keep him healthy and making him do what he doesn't do well. Right. And you and I have said, stated this many times. And it'll only become a massive issue if it goes a specific way. Last night's game, perfect example. Justin Herbert, in the pocket. In the pocket. took a clean hit to his ribs. Uh, They had a chance to pull that game out. They had the one play where he's running, and he just couldn't even – he couldn't lift his arm to throw the football. So he just like half side-armed it out of bounds when he could have turned it upfield, could have gone to a slide, gotten a first down – continued to drive he couldn't do it because he was physically hurt and he stayed in the pocket. he got hurt in the pocket. You can get hurt anywhere on the National Football League field. Philadelphia Eagles, whether you practice or not, come Sunday they're gonna play tackle. The Minnesota Vikings are going to come in and play tackle. so you can protect your guys as much as you want in practice and say hey we got him to the starting line and we were healthy when the game started. But then if you get hurt in the game, you know you're going to be called on the carpet because you didn't prep enough. It's a violent game, even though the NFL, in its infinite winsome, has made it, attempted to make it a less violent game. Uh, Don't kid yourself. They did that because of concussion lawsuits more than anything else. But they have rewritten their rules over the course of years, now decades, to make it a less violent game. You can only do so much. It's a violent game. People are going to get hurt. They're going to hit each other. And God forbid Jalen hurts gets hurt on a play outside the pocket. Cause people are going to then say, see, I told you, we can't have a quarterback who plays the way that Jalen hurts. does." It's going to happen. Johnny Mac, write it down.
5: Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I'm with you. I, I'm, you, you, I talk about it all the time. I say, I, I don't care what anybody tells me, uh, you know, the Eagles philosophy, and I think it's misunderstood, and the, they've rested seven guys, and by the way, that's going to be the plan for them the entire season on Wednesdays.
3: How old it, did Josh wet?
5: Yeah, but he had a really catastrophic – I think people don't realize um, when, when Josh was coming out of high school in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia, he was some scouting services, you know, rivals, whatever – Um, number one player in the country, high school player in the country. um, And he had a devastating knee injury towards the end of his high school career. Dislocated kneecap. One of those injuries, one of those Teddy Bridgewater type injuries where if they didn't get, if they didn't do things correctly, they would have been talking about amputation. He had a really serious knee injury. And it's always going to be, somewhat of a problem for him. That's one of the reasons he was a fourth round pick and wasn't a first round pick. Cause he's, if you look at Josh Sweat and you say edge rusher, you go, Oh, there's an edge rusher. He looks like an edge rusher. I mean, he's got every physical trait you could possibly need to be a good edge rusher, but he's got a bad knee and he's got a chronically bad knee and he's got to wear a brace and he's downplayed it in recent years. He's gotten over it. Well, the Eagles know it and they're very cautious of it, and, and they want to keep, uh, um, you know, they want to keep him as healthy as possible for as then, long as possible. Then
3: let me ask this question Were the Eagles ill advised to give him the contract that they gave him? Because the way you're describing him, it's a house of cards that if any kind of wind comes by, it's going to blow down and he's going to go down. Oh, well, that's, that's not the
5: case, it, it's the exact opposite. He's proven in unjust- Josh gets kind of angry when people bring it up to him now because he's past it in his mind. He's past it. But the Eagles mind, you know, they're, you know, the doctors are different. Doctors are doctors. And they're saying, well, you had this catastrophic injury earlier in your life. Uh, We want to maximize how long you're going to be uh, at an optimum level to play NFL football. From his perspective, he's over it. Uh, from their perspective and we know how cautious the eagles are in general uh, they want to make sure they have him as long as possible but he's proven he's healthy uh, back from the the high school injury he's proven he's over that um, same thing with landon dickerson landon dickerson's a young player um, but he's had so many issues he was one of those guys on the list because they want to keep him as healthy as possible for as long as possible. All
3: right. So um, here's my here's my question to you, Johnny Mac, because it's been a a major cause celeb this week. Is Howie Roseman too involved in an area above and beyond his expertise that his quote unquote expertise leaks into another area because he's the guy who's got to submit the 48 man roster? Is he actually? putting influence in on the game planning. Maybe not direct, but indirectly the game planning of it again. Maybe Howie Roseman isn't the guy we should be questioning here. Maybe it's, what's Arch's last name? There's another last name I can't Arch, remember. Arch uh, Yeah, Denota. I mean. Yeah, maybe he's the guy we should be looking at going, wait a minute. Is this guy using too much influence on the Philadelphia Eagles and dictating terms as to something as key as, who practices and who doesn't, specifically after a week one where they gave up 35 points to the Detroit stinking lions without a superstar player on their entire offense.
5: Yeah, what what I can say, I mean, how he listens to R. <clears throat> and it's pretty clear, and it's how his decision goes. So how he's no expert, he'll say that. He has no idea. He's he's not a doctor. Um, he said to me he said that to me specifically, but he trusts uh, his medical people and Arsh is the chief medical officer of the Eagles. And um, they've given him a lot of credit inside the organization and they, they believe him a in lot him. Of
3: power is what it seems like.
5: And they, yeah, they He's believe dictating in
3: him. terms on who's getting a Wednesday off the second week of the season. that's a pretty big power base.
5: I wouldn't say he's dictating terms, but he's being listened to. He's recommending like doctors do. Doctors will always say, your own doctor will say, they offer recommendations. And most people who are smart, if they like their doctor, if they have a good doctor, uh, they follow those recommendations. That's what's going on. So, you know, depends how you phrase it. He's not going in and saying, you listen to me and this is the way you have to do it. And I have more power than anybody else in the building. The Eagles just have a lot of respect for him. They believe uh, he's correct and they trust him and they're using his recommendations, but you're right. So it's all Howie. Howie's the one who says, Nope, we're going to listen to these recommendations. And even though Nick Sirianni says he's on board, I'll never believe that because I know how competitive Nick is and you can't be one way and say, oh, I don't want to practice. I don't want to have all the practice because that's my issue with the Eagles. Not that nobody gets to prepare. I just talked about Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell was complaining about tackling of his team after the loss. Um, Nobody gets to prepare like they want to prepare, but the Eagles don't prepare as what they don't use as much as what they're given which right. is strange to me that's the strange part to me
3: people want to compare the 2022 eagles to the 20 oh, 2002 eagles or the 2095 or the 1995 eagles or back it up the dick vermeil to the 1983 eagle that's irrelevant Yeah, that's ridiculous the game has changed. The rules have changed. The collective bargaining agreement has certainly changed. So you can't compare those things. You compare the 2022 Eagles to the 2022 Lions and the 2022 Vikings and the 2022 Commanders. That's who you got to compare them to. What kind of level of practice are those teams, other teams in the NFL going through this year? Comparing them to any team prior to this is just a folly that that's foolish and ridiculous. And people will continue to do it, but it's just dumb. Um, but you don't need to compare them to any previous team. You need to compare them to current NFL, other teams. And you're right. The Eagles come in at last and, and specifically with the situation. I couldn't believe yesterday. They had seven players in limited practice, six of which were listed as rests. John, We've played one game, one. This is yeah. not coming down the stretch week 15 where your guys have taken a beating and they've got nags and injuries or whatever. It's week two of the season, and they're already resting six guys, several of which are younger than 25. They uh, Fletcher Cox, I get. Fletcher Cox has been in the wars. He's been in the trenches for a decade now. Brandon Graham, I get. Same thing. He's got a decade-plus under his belt. Guys who are one and two years in the league, you're already giving them rest?
1: Well, Yeah, tells but those me,
3: That tells those me guys. the doctor is too involved. Even if you're saying he's not dictating, he's just suggesting. Well, if they're listening, suggestions become dictates. Uh, yeah, I'm not happy with it.
5: Yeah, and the, the number was seven, so that was our first question. Now, Fletcher, uh, Brandy, well, one with Stoll was hurt, right? Uh, Stoll was, yeah. He was limited with an ankle. So it's right. Fletcher, it's Brandon Graham, Lane Johnson, Jane, uh, Jason Kelsey. Um, um, I think those are the veteran players, the veteran maintenance guys. And then the other guys, the two young players, Landon Dickerson and, and Josh Sweat, have significant uh, prior injury history, histories. Uh, and then Isaac Sayamalo is kind of in between, but is coming off the significant uh, Liz Frank injury. Um, so, I mean, that was our first question, right? I mean, it's week one, um, you know, what the heck is going on, uh, with so many players rested. Um, so, you know, what I was told, just pulling up the text message as we speak, um, this is part of their normal weekly practice plan. So, um. This is going to be get
3: used to this is what you tell them. Get get used to this.
5: Get, Get used to this with those particular, those seven players. That is part of their weekly practice plan. So this is a little bit skewed because it's a Monday game. So everything's pushed back a day. So Thursday was a typical Wednesday on a normal Sunday game day. So Wednesdays, you're going to see those seven players be limited at practice. Uh, which basically means they'll do individual work um, and then probably sit out of team drills, part of the weekly plan. We'll see how it works out. I mean, all you can do is look in hindsight how these ideas work. Um, but yeah, right now, ours is a star in the building as we, as we, shall say
3: all right and this won't make me any friends but their stats their facts you can use them abuse them uh, read into them what you want last week brandon (laughs) graham one tackle it was an assist on the sack with fletcher cox because the quarterback dropped the football yeah and he kind of fell on it more than anything else so uh, brandon graham who got rest yesterday had one tackle fletcher cox had two tackles one of which was that half a sack with Brandon graham that happened because the quarterback dropped the football so other than that he had one tackle and josh wett had three tackles so those are the guys who got rest this week because they put in so much effort and not uh, about effort jody
5: not nothing to do about effort nothing nothing to do about they probably shouldn't use that term rest i would i would go the greg popovich route and use maintenance um hey it's
3: the new world new world of sports load right. maintenance and some things you have to be able to adjust and some things you can look at and go i think this is uh, not necessarily as productive as people think it is that uh, it might not pay the dividends that some people think that some old school things need to stay in place, even in a changed world, even as the game has changed and uh, been handled differently. All right. He's John McMahon I'm Jody McDonald. We are the Mac and Mac guys coming up next from sports illustrated Viking reporter will to be determined. No, we're not talking about who's going to practice for the Eagles. No, we're going to talk about the fact that we're not sure how to pronounce Will's last name. Uh, it's R-A-G-A-T-Z. Is it Raggatz? I'm Is telling Raggatz. Uh, We'll find out for sure. Will's scheduled to join us. Talk a little Vikings via a Viking Perspective Eagles up next here on Birds 365.
7: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action News on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action News at 10 p.m. on PHL 17.
4: I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in, decisions, the dark. The dark.
8: We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go
9: confidently.
8: Go first.
9: Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust.
8: Go birds!
9: And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Up and go bird.
3: Mac and Mac guys here on Birds 365, McMullen and McDonald. And we are joined by a cohort of Johns from Sports Illustrated. He covers the Minnesota Vikings and he looks like he'll fit right in here on Birds 365 because he's as follicly challenged as McMullen or McDonald. Uh, but his beard's actually got some color in it, unlike me and Johnny Mac. Uh, Will do us a favor. Pronounce your last name for us. Yeah, it's Raggots. I do it. That's, that's Mullen got it right. I thought yeah. maybe there was a little Italian influence in there. It was regats. Yeah, Jody. I
11: going. I actually have some family members uh, who who go by regats, but yeah, it's there it's, we go. It's rag, it's
5: jo- Jody was trying would. to turn you into a Soprano's character. <laughs> Liz, so,
4: uh,
5: <laughs> I I went right, but but we'll I talk about uh, the Minnesota Vikings. You do a great job uh, covering them for si uh fan nation um great week one for the vikings uh everything looked uh new everything looked shiny change in culture from mike zimmer who i think you know people stopped listening to uh late in his tenure there uh the shift to kevin o'connell we'll start there how big of a difference has it been
11: yeah it's made a huge difference and like, don't get me wrong. Mike Zimmer was a good coach. He was
5: a very good coach.
11: Yeah. He he won a lot of games with the Vikings over his eight years. They had perennially one of the best defenses in the league from 2015 to 2019. Was kind of the the peak of his run. They won a couple of division titles. They made the playoffs three times. They made an NFC Championship game against the Eagles. You'll remember, but um, yeah, it kind of, he kind of just ran his course. I mean, the defense fell apart the last couple of years, um, which was kind of Zimmer's calling card. So when that wasn't there, it didn't really make as much sense to keep him around. There were other issues too with game management. And then the big thing was just with culture. Like he's kind of a a gruff personality and he could be hard to play for. He could be really tough. And that was fine when they were winning, but when they weren't winning, it became a little bit of a problem. So they brought in Kevin O'Connell. They also fired their GM, Rick Spielman who had been there for a long time. They, they cleaned house this offseason, brought in kind of a younger generation to modernize things, um, incorporate analytics a little bit more, but but most importantly, kind of change the culture and uh, bring in this this focus on collaboration and communication. And um, the players have raved about it. I mean, just like being excited to come to work every day. And just it's just been a complete culture shift. The vibes have been great all offseason, people talking about how much they've... Um, just enjoyed that part of it and, and the culture that uh, Kevin O'Connell has created. And then uh, week one kind of just served to validate that and, and everything they've they've built um, this, around this program. And, and his offensive acumen is one of the big reasons why he was hired. We saw him win a Super Bowl uh, as the Rams offensive coordinator. But yeah, I mean, week one could not have gone any better. They looked great on both sides of the ball. Justin Jefferson obviously had a huge game. Uh, the defense looked good as well with, with veteran defensive coordinator Ed Donatello in there. So, yeah, the vibes are are through the roof right now surrounding this team. We'll see how that uh, maybe changes if and when. Well, not if, when they uh, they face some adversity this season. But, yeah, for now, uh, everything's riding high in, in Vikings territory.
3: Well, on uh, yesterday's Vikings practice <clears throat> report, um, anyone listed for rest? Load management or old age on the Vikings <laughs> yesterday?
11: No, I saw that the Eagles had quite a few of those. Yeah. Uh, the the Vikings took an interesting approach throughout this whole off season training camp preseason. They really focused on uh, managing reps and kind of player health. They hired the uh, like executive director of player performance from the Rams who have recently been a very healthy team. Um, so I think that's kind of an underrated move that they made. They've been really healthy. And, and that was a question mark on a team that has a lot of veterans uh, that have missed time. So they're really healthy right now. The only player who uh, wasn't practicing yesterday is a, a rookie cornerback, Andrew Booth Jr., who isn't even uh, a starter at the moment anyway. So, yeah, they're, they're really healthy. But no no rest days Yes,
3: No rest. At, oh, by the way, Booth. Is he going to play on uh, Monday night? Do we know yet?
11: Not expecting him to play, although it's possible. But um, their first round pick, Lewis Seen, the safety from Georgia, looks like he's going to make his NFL debut after missing last week.
5: Uh, well, let's talk about that defense first because they had fallen off to being a bottom five defense after being top five for, for so many years, as you mentioned. You know, part of the reason I think starts with Daniil Hunter. He's been very injury prone over the past two seasons. When he was on the field last year, they were pretty good defensively. And then he got hurt. I think it was the torn pack and they kind of fell apart. Now they've added uh, Zadarius Smith to Daniil Hunter. Are those the key guys on that defense? I mean, is, are those the two guys that sort of make that, that whole thing run?
11: Yeah, I think it's fair to say that. I mean, the most important thing in this league a lot of times is the pass rush. And they now have two guys who are healthy for now who who can do that at a really high level. In 2019, according to PFF, those were the, the two leaders in pressures in the entire league uh, when Smith was with the Packers. And Hunter was on an incredible start to his career. I mean, he was the youngest player to ever reach 50 career sacks. Just a really, really dominant, like, physical player. I mean, you just look at him. He's just a massively built dude um, with a, with a wide array of, of pass rush moves. And yeah, he missed most of the last two seasons. Uh, Zadarius Smith missed like all of last season. So they're banking on health there, but both those guys are healthy right now. They each had a sack against the Packers. They've um, looked really good throughout the offseason. They're both like inseparable. They're like best friends. Um, and yeah, it, it starts with those two guys being able to, get after the quarterback, and they can line them up wherever. That's a thing that Zedarius Smith did really well in Green Bay is they would line them up on the edge, but they'd also line them up over the center, over the guard, use them in all kinds of different stunts and things like that, and they have the flexibility to do that with with both of those guys.
3: All right. Well, I'd uh, like you to handicap uh, last week's (laughs) game that the Vikings played. I thought the Green Bay Packers deployed a unique strategy in trying to stop Justin Jefferson. Don't have anyone cover him. (laughs) Because there were several plays where you couldn't even see a Packer defender on the screen. He's arguably the best wide receiver. Why would you have anyone attempt to stay near him when Kirk Cousins is going to throw him the football? It didn't make much sense to me. Is he that good at route running that he just leave cross his ankles and just leaves everybody in the dust that he gets his wide open as he, with their breakdowns? How the hell did he get as open as he was on several of those catches?
11: Yeah, it's, it's both. I mean, he is really, really good. Like, he's one of the best route runners in the league. He has the the releases off the line of scrimmage, great hands, all that. Um, so he's, he's impossible to really shut down. But with that said, I don't know what the Packers were doing because they re- kind of refused to use Jair Alexander, their top cornerback on him. They didn't play much man. They were committed to playing zone, but then they had a bunch of miscommunications on the back end. And yeah, there were several plays where Jefferson just got wide open. I mean, his second touchdown, he caught the ball and kind of like juke backwards thinking somebody was near. There was nobody within 15 <laughs> yards. Of him. And so then he just sprinted to the, he sprinted to the pylon oh, and, yeah. and got in. So it, it's partially Jefferson being really good. It's partially uh, Kevin O'Connell as an offensive play caller and a schemer, like moving him around, motioning him across the formation, lining him up in different spots. They're going to do that all year to um, counteract the ways teams are going to try to to try to slow him down. But, yeah, I would have to imagine that the Eagles and, and Jonathan Gannon will have a slightly better plan.
5: Yeah, to, uh, they're going to play yeah, zone. Put, well, put
11: somebody on them. I don't know. They're
5: going to play zone. Um, they play like everybody else in this league. They play the big Bangio style of defense now. Seems like yeah. – Half the league is playing that. So, yeah, so do, so do the
11: Vikings. Yeah,
5: so the Vikings. It's going to be umbrella coverage behind. So, they should be very familiar, each team, with what the other's trying to accomplish defensively. I did notice from Kevin O'Connell what you just talked about. He was moving Jefferson all over the place. He, he had him in the backfield at times. Um, so, it becomes a where's Waldo situation. You got to figure out where he is before you can say, how are we going to cover them? And that lens, you know, almost forces the other team to play zone. Is that, is that the goal? Because they don't know where he's going to line up.
11: Yeah. I, I think that probably to some extent is the goal. I mean, if you can get him one-on-one in man coverage, there aren't a, a lot of corners that uh, the defensive coordinator would like that matchup. But yeah, I think they, they don't mind when, when teams play zone definitely, as you saw last, last week, because, they can move him around, and they can they can exploit certain things um, to find ways to get him open. Yeah, like you said, they even li- they line him up in the backfield occasionally. He had a uh, they did that a little bit last year too before O'Connell got here. I remember he had a like an angle route out of the backfield to score a touchdown um, last year. And and so yeah, he just has a really versatile skill set. The thing that helps is like he's not out there by himself because um, if he was, it would be easier for defenses. to yeah. just – yeah over people forget one, how good Adam of the field. Is. Yeah. exactly adam feeling 30 years old now but still i mean only like three players have more receiving touchdowns than him over the past two seasons he had 14 of them last year um so he's really really good route running wise especially once you get in the red zone understanding leverage and spacing and things like that and then kj osborne their third receiver uh was a breakout guy last year with like 600 yards um and looks to kind of only be improving. So uh neither Thielen or Osborne did a whole lot last week because Jefferson was and taking to, all the balls. Yeah. But uh in the future there are gonna be games where teams kind of overcommit Jefferson and those two are going to be able to make plays.
3: Yeah it kind of reminds us of what happened week one here yeah. with Eagles they kept throwing the ball to A.J. Brown. Why? If, if oh, because he was works, catching it and making plays. Yeah. Why yeah. would you stop doing it if you're going to throw it to Justin Jefferson? Why? Because he's wide open and he's one of the best receivers in the league. Yeah, there's a pretty good game plan by both the Eagles and the uh, Vikings last week. All right. Uh, defense. Vikings four sacks on Aaron Rodgers last week. How many of those came via the blitz? I know our buddy Jordan Hicks got one, which is a linebacker getting in there making a play. Uh, how effective was the blitz? How much did they use the blitz against the Packers last week? They didn't blitz a ton.
11: Um, it, it was a lot of four or five man pressures. Uh Daniil Hunter and Z'Darious Smith, uh, as I mentioned, each had one that kind of just came off of beating beating their 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 guy one on one. Um, yeah, the Jordan Hicks one, uh, Z'Darrius Smith blows through he, he was lined up over the center over the A gap blows up the middle, just destroys A.J. Dillon, who is a big running back in pass protection. And then it was – Kevin O'Connell was breaking down the film of this in a, in a video the Vikings posted. And um, Jordan Hicks then recognized, hey, I don't have to cover this running back. So he he triggers and, and takes off and hits Rodgers for what ends up being um, a fumble that the Vikings are covered in a big play. And then the other – the fourth one was uh, just kind of a coverage sack. Rodgers looking downfield, looking downfield, and eventually – Uh, DJ Wanham got there for the sack so they didn't they didn't bring a ton of pressure they're going to rely on their two really really good pass rushers uh, to create a lot of that so they can kind of commit extra resources and coverage because uh, admittedly that's kind of the the area of concern with this defense is uh, the secondary particularly the cornerback group
5: Uh, yeah that was a I don't know if you saw it will fun little video nfl.com put up of Aaron Rodgers trying to block Z'Darrius Smith, I think. Yep. <laughs> and obviously they're friends from time together in Green Bay. But So they had a good time with that. I do want to rewind a little bit to the receivers because I wanted to mm-hmm. finish off Jalen Rayer because obviously we're very familiar. Uh, the late trade, he's the Vikings mm-hmm. pump returner. Have you guys gotten an opportunity to talk to Jalen because he had a tough time here. Uh, And I was interested to see if he if he said anything about it this week.
11: Yeah, we talked to him in the locker room yesterday and didn't he didn't really want to get into his time in Philly. Um, He kind of downplayed it, saying, like, my emotions aren't going to be really up like I've I've been there before. I'm familiar with the environment. Uh, It'll be a little different with with him being an opposing player. I imagine he's not going to be greeted too kindly if he's even really acknowledged at all but um i don't know. he seemed to kind of have his his mind in the right place um he was asked if like there's any part of him that wanted to get revenge and he kind of said yeah of of course why not like he didn't he didn't volunteer that part i know uh that that kind of blew up on twitter a little bit but um he kind of just said yeah i mean sure i obviously he'd like to make a play uh, against his former team, that would feel probably pretty cathartic after the, the two years that he he kind of struggled through. So the, the issue is he didn't play any offensive snaps for the Vikings last no. week. They they played a lot of 11 personnel, but they just played their top three receivers and that was it. They didn't use any four wide sets. They also have two tight ends that they like and a fullback. So um, I'm not sure if Rager will see any offensive snaps this week. I wouldn't be surprised if they maybe threw him out there for a few and, and maybe – Gave him a, an end around or a screen pass or something just to try to um, use his kind of his athleticism. But um, he primarily he will be their punt returner this year. Uh, and how much that actually really means is tough to know because a lot of teams are able to just kick it high with a bunch of hang yeah. time and then, yeah. then you fair
3: catch everything. So yeah. um, we'll see. Well, something we talk a lot about here in Philadelphia and I'm sure you are doing. Minnesota as well. Wouldn't be surprised if they talked about it in all 32 uh, towns that have NFL teams. Run pass ratio. Last week, Kirk Cousins threw it 32 times, but the Vikings ran it 28 times. So that's a pretty balanced attack. Just slight advantage pass over run. But you have to take in consideration the way the game was playing. They were protecting a lead in the second half, which may have them run the ball more than they usually will going forward. How'd the offensive line play? Because sometimes that's a big dictate, too. Pass blocking, I know uh, Cousins was only sacked once. Uh, Cook went for 90 yards on 20 carries. How would you say the offensive line uh, filled its role as the ga- as the way the game played out?
11: Yeah, so they really like their two offensive tackles. Brian O'Neill, the right tackle, is one of the best players at that position in football. Got a big contract extension last year. And then Christian Darrisaw, their left tackle, was a first-round pick last year, who was seemingly just watching him in training camp taking a taking that second-year leap this year. He's got a ton of just raw physical ability. the The issue is the interior, uh, where Garrett Bradbury, who was a first-round pick several years ago, he's now in his his fourth year, just hasn't been able to pass protect like at all. If you look at
8: yeah,
11: uh, I mean the been tape bad. every year he's he's getting yeah. he's getting bullied back into the quarterback and. Um, he's a he's really athletic good run blocker but that the pass protection is an issue which uh, could definitely be a concern against the Eagles interior defensive line and then they're starting a a rookie second round pick in Ed Ingram at right guard so that's a, a bit of a concern those two weren't great in pass protection there Kenny Clark got got the best of them quite a few times but uh, Cousins was good when he was pressured which is a big thing for him because usually that's not the case usually if you, if you can pressure him especially up in the middle, that's going to affect his, his production a lot. He played pretty well when pressured. Um, the line is really good run blocking. So the Vikings should uh, be able to run the ball with Dalvin cook on the Eagles after watching kind of what Deandre Swift did last week. Uh, but yeah, I, I think like there was a lot of talk with Kevin O'Connell taking over to, to kind of your original point about run pass ratio that people thought the Vikings were going to get much more pass heavy. Uh, and I think they will get a little bit more pass heavy, but they still want to run the ball a lot because they, they have Dalvin cook and they want to, they always talk about marrying the run in the past. They want to kind of use the run to set up the pass and run a lot of uh, plays that look similar, but maybe then do different things out of them. So um, they are not by any means going to abandon the run because of the run blocking they have on the offensive line. And because Dalvin cook is, is a pretty special uh, player at running back.
5: Uh, well, interested to see if you've gotten to speak to Ed Donatel yet this week and what he's giving you as far as defending Jalen Hurts because he's a very unique quarterback. I mean, there's not a lot of quarterbacks like Jalen Hurts, and you don't see it every week, so it's difficult to prepare for. Uh, if you watch the Lions tape, there's so many times he looks pinned in and boom, he's out and, and he converts third and 15s. Uh, with his legs. Uh, not obviously the, the high volume passer of somebody like Kirk Cousins, but, you know, I read this stat earlier in the show. Since he became the Eagles starter, uh, nobody has more explosive plays in the NFL except Justin Herbert. Um, how do the Eagles handle that sort of unique presence at the quarterback position? position Vikings handle. I should.
11: Yeah, so Ed Donatel and the other coordinators are talking today, so we haven't heard from them yet. But we were talking to Jordan Hicks actually in the locker room yesterday, um, and asking him about Jalen Hurts, and he acknowledged that it's going to be a tough challenge for them. Like, you really have to ideally have your defensive line like get some penetration and and maybe keep him in the pocket and keep good good rush lanes. Uh, and then the linebackers and, and even the defensive backs have to um, be keyed in and, and come up and, and be ready to help out when he takes takes off with the ball. Because um, it, it was interesting, we were asking Jordan Hicks if if it was similar at all to Kyler Murray, who he played with um, the last few years in Arizona, and he said they're, they're different. Um, like Hertz is is more of like a running back when he takes off. He's yeah. um, he's physical. He's tough to bring down. So. Um, yeah, it's going to be important for the Vikings that they their defensive line gets some push, but then uh, the linebackers are going to be uh, really key there. Another thing Hicks was asked about is like uh, when when a quarterback, especially like slides uh, after running, like how how tough that can be. Um, and he and he was acknowledging that that's 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 a thing that a lot of defensive players struggle with, like when to try to hit them and maybe jar the ball out or whatever, but not wanting to get penalized. So um, that's something that they're going to definitely be, be drilling this week as well.
3: All right. A interesting narrative going into this game for me is something that I learned from my partner, uh, John McMullen, because he's there every day. I'm not the defensive coordinator of the Eagles brings up Harrison Smith about every other week. At some point he works out every, every
5: week, week. every week.
3: You're not going another right. week. It's yeah. every week.
5: Constantly. Jonathan Gannon loves Harrison Smith, loves him.
3: He's a former uh, coach in Minnesota and had uh, Smith as as part of his group. So he does. He references him all the time. And he does so because he knows how good a player he was and still is today. And sure enough, he had a pick of Aaron Rodgers last week. Yeah. If you work from the assumption that Harrison Smith knows Jonathan Gannon and Jonathan Gannon knows Harrison Smith, how much is Harrison Smith attempting to work with the Viking offense? Go, oh, I know exactly what Gannon's going to do. Here's the key you got to pick up. On. Here's what the Eagles defense are going to do because I know Gannon inside out. How much, John, do you think Gannon is talking to Jalen Hurts? Oh, if you can figure out what Harrison Smith's going to do, you can figure out exactly what the play is going to be that the Vikings are going to run. How much does the chess match between Harrison Smith and Jonathan Gannon play for both of these two teams? You first.
11: Yeah, I think it could matter. Um Gannon wasn't hasn't been a coach there for quite a while, if I'm if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Um 18, eighteen.
5: Eighteen. Okay. Uh,
11: yeah, and it, I think it was I think it was brief. But, but yet too. as
3: John tells me, he mentions Harrison Smith every, every week.
11: Even though it's Watson, been five years, Watson. he's always
3: referencing him. So I'm Man. I'm assuming that he knows something yeah. about Harrison Smith.
11: Yeah, Harris I mean Harrison Smith, just for starters, is really good i think a potential potential hall of famer uh with the longevity he's displayed uh, i think this the thing that kind of illustrated that is he first intercepted aaron rodgers uh in december 2012 uh and then got him again uh, last week 10 years later so Damn. um that that's kind of cool but yeah that i mean is. he's been he's been a really good safety for 10 years ever since he came into the league out of notre dame in 2012 and um, he's lost a little bit of a step athletically as, as everyone does when they turn 32 or 33 or whatever he is, but he he still has those instincts. He knows like how to play the position so well, just from experience and uh, from his intelligence. Uh, So he's going to be in the right position. And he is a key part of what the Vikings do uh, in this Ed Donatel defense, where almost every play, they're going to start with two high safeties and then, they're going to rotate into their actual look after the snap to try to buy an extra second and, and kind of confuse things for the quarterback. Uh, So yeah, there definitely could be some of that with, with him and and with Jonathan Gannon. Um, I think Harrison Smith is probably spending more time uh, focusing on the Eagles offense than the Eagles defense, but Yeah, there might be some conversations here and there for sure.
5: Yeah, and from, uh, you know, one of the things that surprised me when Jonathan got here, because everyone expected him, well, he's going to run Zimmer's scheme when he got here, because he does have a lot of respect for Mike as well, but um, he didn't. He went, uh, he and Brandon Staley are very close, uh, and um, they run the big banjo scheme, and, and interestingly enough, the Vikings now run it too without Ed Donatel. Um, so Harrison's playing differently than when Jonathan was there. So I, yeah, I don't think that's going to play into it. He just has such respect for the player; it's pretty cool uh, from from his time when he was there. Uh, but when I talk about the Viking secondary, I'm not concerned about Harrison Smith or Cam Bynum. We'll see what Lewis seen. I think Cam Bynum's a really good young safety. And Lewis obviously has a lot of talent. But the corners, I got a lot of questions about the corners. It started, I think, on Aaron Rodgers' first offensive play, maybe. That should have been a 75 yard touchdown, Well, Yeah. Uh, Patrick Peterson, great. You know, he might be a future Hall of Famer, but he's clearly lost the step. Um, I think Cam Danzler is the other starter. Shandon Sullivan, who was here, he started here in Philadelphia. Kind of a okay nickel, but not great. The depth seems shaky. Do they have an issue at corner?
11: Yeah, I think they they might. And it didn't really bear itself out in, in the first game. Um, in part because they they got some pretty good pass rush. But yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. The very first play after the Vikings march down and, and score a touchdown, I'm sitting there in the press box and Rogers uncorks just a classic Aaron Rogers, beautiful on the money, deep ball. They told reporters after the game, like that was planned. We were going to take a shot uh, to this rookie Christian Watson on the first play. Absolutely torches Patrick Peterson um, who said that he wasn't, he was expecting something shallower and then just drops it. And that, that could have changed the entire game. If they, if they score right there, they also had a fourth and goal, uh, like inside the one yard line they got stuffed on. So there were a couple plays there where, um, and the Vikings only allowed seven points, but it could have easily been, uh, been more than that. Uh, I, I think they might have an issue. And specifically I look at AJ Brown and, and how they're going to cover him, because if you've got Peterson on him, like Brown has the speed to burn him. Peterson is so similar to Harrison Smith in age, um, future hall of famer. I think, I think Peterson's case is even more sound than, than Smith's, but um, obviously a really smart player, a ton of experience, but he just is susceptible to being beaten by speed because he is not as quick as he once was. And uh, we saw that during training camp, the 49ers came here for joint practices and they have some, some rookie named Danny Gray, who is like a mid or late round pick who just torched Peterson on a go route um, at least once. And uh, so, so that would be the concern with him. But then Cam Dantzler is a third year guy. He's been kind of inconsistent. He's given up a lot of big plays. Um, there's a reason why they drafted two guys in the top four rounds this year in, in booth who's hurt. And then a Caleb Evans, a fourth rounder who, um, is, is looks to be next on the depth chart. He, he played six snaps last week when Dantzler had to leave briefly. Dantzler is just pretty thin. So that's a concern against a guy like AJ Brown, who's just an absolute kind of truck of a receiver. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think you feel good about either of those matchups. There, there's going to be probably different things that Ed Donatel does with um, shading safeties to one side and, and helping those corners out because you don't want to um, you don't want to leave either one of those guys one on one against him.
3: All right, last one for me is about your tight end position. I um, was you, huge Smith fan coming out of college his career has been quasi derailed because of injury, which is unfortunate because I still think he's a talented player. And I think I caught some Viking preseason action and Irv made a couple of plays. And I said, Oh, it looks like he's back. Week one, two targets didn't connect on either one. Johnny Munt got three targets and caught all three balls that came his way. He was the more effective tight end. Uh, Give me your read on the tight ends for this upcoming game. Well, am I right about Irv Smith? They look better in practice and in whatever preseason action he got any of the joint practices the Vikings had. Which tight end should the Eagles fear more coming into this game from a Viking offensive perspective?
11: Yeah, it's it's interesting. We thought that Irv was going to be back and was going to be the, the number one <laughs> tight end. And yeah, he was a second round pick in, in 2019 split time with Kyle Rudolph over his first two seasons. And he showed some flashes, but. I mean, he was just split. He was splitting time, and they they were using a lot of two tight end sets in in those offenses. Uh, and then Rudolph free agent signs elsewhere. Twenty twenty one last year, Irv Smith has a great training camp. Looks like he's going to be a breakout player in his third year. Finally, the number one guy, and then yeah, tears his meniscus, misses the whole season. Um, so that kind of was a setback. Uh, now he's back, and and I thought he had um, a, a good like start to his camp, and then he. Uh, hurts his thumb and he needs to have surgery on it and he misses most of training camp. So now he's just kind of just recovering from that still, and maybe being eased back in. So he only played 19 snaps, Johnny Munt who uh, is legitimately going to be a a, kind of a factor this year. He was brought over from the Rams. So he knows Kevin O'Connell, Kevin O'Connell knows him. Wes Phillips, the Vikings offensive coordinator uh, was the Rams tight end coach. So he obviously knows Johnny Munt Mm -hmm. really well. So he's familiar with this offense they like him as a blocker. They think he's got some upside as a receiver. Um, so, I mean, Irv Smith is the more naturally talented kind of athlete and, and and a matchup problem that I do think they want to use as a pass catching weapon throughout the course of the season. I just it, it might he might kind of be eased in. it wouldn't surprise me at all if Munt um, out snaps him again this week.
5: At Will Raggett's inside the Vikings on si.com does a tremendous job. So you can read uh, about the opponent on Monday night, you can listen to him. Podcast does podcast up with uh Purple Insider. Uh, thanks for your time, Will. Really appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having me, guys. It's fun. My pleasure. Thank you. That's uh Will Raggett's. Not Regats. I apologize for potentially mispronouncing <laughs> his last name. All right, McMahon and McDonald coming back. We've only got a couple of minutes left to put a bow on the show. Stick around.
0: Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.
6: Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles.
7: It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action News on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action News at 10 p.m. on PHL 17.
4: I get scared sometimes of a lot of things. Joining in, decisions, the dark. The dark.
8: We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go
9: fearlessly. Go confidently.
8: Go first!
9: Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Billy's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust.
8: Go Bird!
9: And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Bird.
3: Got a couple minutes left here before our buddy Rick telling comes up uh next year on the Jacob media YouTube channel
5: I Oh, Max. by the way I got your blitz numbers Jody yes uh oh man um you had the Eagles blitz. uh were 13th as far as blitz percentage in the NFL so they were in the top half 25.6 percent 10 blitzes.
3: The Eagles blitzed 10 times.
5: Yep, 10 times. The number
3: I was looking for was how often the Lions blitzed.
5: Lions were uh, number two in the NFL, 48.8%
3: blitz percentage, 21 times. See, that's the point about Jalen Hurts. Well, what do you want him to do? Oh, he can't run. You're putting him at risk. He can't take off as often as he did. Well, if he's being blitzed, and he's got no choice but to move. Well, what do you want him to do? Uh, roll left, throw back across his body, and throw a pick, or pull it down, turn it upfield, try and slide, take a late hit. I'm sorry, yeah. I'm taking the second of those two options.
5: And I apologize to you because every time I hear blitz, I'm listening. The Eagles never blitz. Eagles, they're 13th in the NFL in blitz percentage. But you That's were asking about the Lions.
3: They, they took the. I, the
5: Lions, yeah, went nuts. Uh, with the blitz only arizona blitz more um
3: that uh, yeah.
5: buffalo uh blitz one time and chicago missed blitz one time uh, and they both won if i'm correct
3: all right we need to get out of here uh quickly What's the one game you're watching on Sunday since there's no birds to be covered?
5: Oh, that's a good question. I haven't even thought about it, Jody. I don't even have an answer for you. I I don't have the schedule. i got to look at my schedule. Yeah, I don't have an answer for it. I'm all Eagles all the time. Get to
3: work, buddy. You'll find out what game I care about. If you catch me on CBS Sports Radio this weekend, you will get McMullen and I back here Monday prepping for the Monday night showdown between the Vikings and the Eagles. We'll be back in two and two days, that is.
2: You've been listening to Birds 365.